Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? Revolving District Court for the Village and Shire of Poor Tastevania is now in order. The Honorable Reeve Jack Valkenheiser presides. Oh, <clears throat> okay, Dennis. Give me their episodes, ID, laptop stickers, report cards, five-star reviews, notes from the teacher. Here you go, Judge. Traffic stop violation. Contravention of Village Law by Law 23. Failing in the execution of a full stop of the podcast after season four. At a place so marked. I recommend fine, bond, and release. Oh, what else you want to do for him, Dennis? Bake him a pie? All right. Who's host Drew? That's me, Your Honor. Real Phil's podcast, Bakersfield, California. Okay, YouTuber? No, 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 no. Podcast host. Movie podcast. Real Phil's, you know, fortnightly. Okay, YouTuber. Oh, here, well, look at this. Passports. I will have you know that my brother Nathan and I enjoy diplomatic immunity in this country. Okay, well, uh, and you are the Nathan and Ronaldo Friends of the shower water? Yeah, that's right. We all want to chug the shower water. No, sir. No shower water. No moving violation. Failure to stop podcast after season four. Let's just be quiet and and let him do his little thing and we'll be on our way. Oh, I will let you be on your way. Oh, when you go, Frodo the cat's eyes will spin. Now listen. Okay, okay. We'll listen. Well, hey, hey, ahoa, ahoa, ha, ha, ahoa, 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 the bula, bula, bula. Look who's got the top rating of the Apple Store podcast page now. Just like a bunch of spiders in the birthday cake. You might be interested to know that you are not under the jurisdiction of just any old table salt dispenser and stamp pad jockey. We've always been quick to deal with offenders once and for all at their first appearance. Quick as case meets through a 10-year-old goose. Oh, yeah, uh, congratulations. I'm, I'm glad to know things are running smoothly. Put before. that dog rocket out! Sir, sorry. In 2018, my forebears established a seat of, after the tenants of the old Shire Charter. Shire Charter? Excuse me, sir, that's post more gooder than. I mean, serfdom and feedum stuff. Oh, very good, young lady. You know, you and I ought to spend a little bit more time together. Oh, well, I'd... I'd like that. <laughs> Would you? Well, then more on how they packed me off to the Farmers and Mechanics University in Gracefield, Ohio for my salt miner engineering degree and how I fought the Great Red Dragon in EverQuest later. But for now... Later? Wait, no, whoa, no later? Wait a minute, what is this shit? Sir, no cussing in court! We don't want to hear the story of your life, we just want to pay and get the hell out! I'm sorry, Judge. 
Well, look at him. He's going on and on. This court here with binds you over for further appearance to be held at four tomorrow afternoon. We so deem for the public and common good that you be confined herein. So for now, good night, Irene. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Feels podcast, uh, where we give you a different movie of a different genre. And we do this. A fortnightly. Fortnightly. Uh, tonight's genre out the old grab baggins is underrated movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have picked for you, uh, you lovely Valken uh, Heiservanians, uh, <laughs> 1991's critically acclaimed box office bomb disaster, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd's directed, acted, and produced. Written. And written. <laughs> nothing but trouble. Mm. Oh, oh God. Give me that early 90s bean (laughs) footage, sir. Mm. Uh. Mm. Give me the keys, Mike. Chevy Chase. Hey, you just passed the Garden State Parkway South. Don't worry, I'll get you there. Demi Moore. Oh, no, cop. Driver, step outside the car, please. John Candy. Redham. Yeah, that's nice. Thanks. The lower back, please. I got an itch right up in there. It's good. Thank you. Not today, sir. This may be Valkenvania, but it is still America. And wouldn't mind, would you just write a ticket here or we could settle it some other way, perhaps? That's not the way things work around here. What is this place? Revolving District Court for the Village and Shire of Valkenvania is now in order. The Honorable Reeve. Alvin Balkanizer presides. Dan Aykroyd. Put out that dog rocket! Nothing but trouble. So sorry. Hey, you know, you and I ought to spend a little more time together. I'd like that. Would you? Welcome to the last resort. You look pretty this evening, sister. Doing something different with your hair? (laughs) Where something's always cooking. How about a nice Hawaiian punch? Uh good friends okay let's eat where someone's always shaken and anything's better than house policy what's house policy but whatever man touches her's the one she keeps what all they wanted oh no wait a minute I just went through a damn stoplight. Was a little getaway. I think the two of you'd make a perfect couple. You make this your bride? No, no, not in front of all these people, Your Honor. Mm-hmm. Now, all they got was nothing but trouble. So, Drew, you're no stranger to this. Well, well, first, we should probably talk about the Aldonia in the room, so to to speak. We are just a duo tonight. We are just a duo tonight. It it takes us back to our days of Demolition Man. Yeah, yeah, no, it it really does. And, like, I'm just staring at Ethan's seat, and in the back of my mind, I just hear, I will remember you. I'm sad. Frodo's sad. More on the point, I'm sad that Nathan did not get I to review know. this movie with us because I know for a fact he hasn't seen this gorgeous first, garbage masterpiece. First time. I I really wanted to get his impression on the the beauty that is this dumpster fire. Oof. And you just you warm your hands right. over it. Ooh. I mean, Ooh. the the smell stays with you, but it also reminds you exactly of what it is because 
Is it a good movie? No. But is it a bad movie? No. Yeah, well, no. no. Yes, you, and no. you want to know why? Because it, it it has a beauty about it because it's so fucking weird. Weird and <laughs> twisted. And just like there are parts in this movie that just give me like the heebie-jeebies. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad the movie is only about 90 minutes long. Mm -hmm. I don't think it could go on any longer because honestly, I think with the <laughs> style of writing and the antics they're therein, I don't think you could even make less sense of what is actually transpiring. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so this movie, uh, and, and for Nathan's benefit, I did not see this in the movie theater. Mm. Uh, but this was uh, sixth grade. My buddy Sean, who was one of my groomsmen, uh, he came over for a sleepover. Mom ordered us, uh, you know, the extra cheese pepperoni and sausage from Domino's, some saucy chicken wings. And the, one of the movies that we found at the old blockbuster was mm -hmm. Nothing But Trouble. So this is a uh, a separate category of this movie gives me the feels because it's one of those nostalgic nostalgic sleepover sure. and and sean and i we still quote this movie to there, each other there's things to still quote for it there's still things that like stick with you i mean i get i don't care if you've seen it once or if you've seen it 10 times i think lo and hold the one thing that is going to stick with you is the dinner scene and it always and it always <laughs> sticks with you and it's just one of those weird weird little things just the oddity but also the fascination of the world that is actually built around this entire film. So much care into right. the set and to just the scenery and surrounding, but like twisted fucked up care. Like they, they threw old antique furniture into this dumpster fire and old antique cars that, that like set crew people were like cringing at the fact that they were being like sliced in half and broken apart. And the fact that they bought every toaster in the LA County <laughs> <laughs> to like throw into a pile and it's it's so neat because if you just stop and take a look and you really avoid the fact that like everything around it is just an oddity but if you notice the background stuff there's just things placed around and I don't necessarily want to say that it's done haphazardly but it has a story I love that it's like a hoarder's wet dream oh god and it's yeah. but everything there and I love everything around it where it's even it's even it plays into the gags like mm, there's the nursery. Oh, bats. Oh, guano. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it's a fun house. It's a fun house. It's a, and it, a fun house of terror. It's a fun house of terror, which <laughs> which is why it's perfect to make this like a, a, a weird and again, like kind of terribly awesome offspring of like horror and comedy to where it's been noted as it's it's Beetlejuice meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, and, and this is coming directly from the mind of Dan Aykroyd and his brother. Yeah, <laughs> and I love Dan Aykroyd to death. Uh, you know, Ghostbusters, Great Outdoors, Gross Point Blank, Spies Like Us, Spy, oh, Spies Like Us uh, with Chevy Chase yep. in that one as well. But this was sort of like unfiltered <laughs> Aykroyd. It's it's crazy. Like it's just like because we've all heard the stories about how. He wanted Ghostbusters to be like 
you know, in space and they're fighting like space alien ghosts. Like, because he loves all aliens. these ideas just always go way, way over the top. Well, this was the, t- the only time <laughs> that the studios ever gave him, uh, you know, free free will to sort of well, do as he be- wanted. Because I think part of it was also the fact that like it is Dan Aykroyd. And when Dan Aykroyd comes to you and says like, Boy, do I have a script for you. Like, there's going to go like, with of his, course with his, you do. With his Chet voice from the, uh, right. the Great Outdoors. I mean, it's just, of course, if Dan Aykroyd comes to you and says like, hey, I have a script. I have this funny idea. It's going to be great. They're going to be like, oh, of course. And Warner Brothers is like, here's $45 million. Like, go make this movie. Uh, and it made back how much, Drew? <laughs> I didn't even Eight check. $8 million. Do, Eight well. million. Dollars. You had postponed release dates. You had it coming out. Not oh, Gosh, what was it What was it heading up against? That it, Something else was going up against it, but it also did not do well at the time. I can't remember what it is. Well, now. it was originally supposed to be like a, a re- release. Was it Bonfire the of the Bandities? I think it was Bonfire of the yeah. Bandities. It was Bandities. supposed to be released around the holidays, and it got December. pushed back into uh, February, yeah. which January and February has always been sort of like the dumping ground for as well as for like movies August. that yeah, that yeah studios are just not very sure about. And it, it just it's crazy because I mean, if you look into like exactly how much they're spending on various things, like the okay, the table. The train table for dinner. That itself was $25,000. I want that table. Don't you want the table? And I a, want a lot of things in this a, house. I want a hole cut into the ceiling to lower my chair down right to the head of the table. If, if they could do this right, and there's no way that this would ever happen, but if they had someone who had a passion project, and it definitely should have been done, you know, obviously not 31 years ago, but it should have been done maybe 15 to 20 years ago. I want the prequel. I want to know how Shire Reeve like built up this house because he clearly has to showcase the fact that he has an engineering like, uh, degree. Was it a perdition uh, instead of paradise? We we want to see the uh, the I original the, uh, Valkenheisers. De- right. I want to see the development. I want to see exactly like how this house is being built. How this madhouse of like contraptions and levees and pulleys and trapdoors and all that. And even John Candy's character said like I've been working for the Reeves since I was eight. So I mean like. What's his story? Why does he decide to stay except for literally, as he says, I have room and board like, dude, go out and live your life if you feel so terrible about what's happening here. But clearly, like, so he's the grandson. Uh-huh. His his well female. I can- think that's got to be some sort of great, great, so like great, great, great grandson. Uh, and considering his sister, how the the how Sh- Alvin Valkenheiser yeah. fought in World War One, <laughs> and so how how like so you have him, you have the female con- uh, counterpart Eldona, and I mean, but if those are like the great grandkids, like where are the children? You know what I mean? Uh, where, where are the Bobo actual, and like, little kids? devil but they're also grandkids yeah, so like where are their parents you're like we're not allowed in the house <laughs> <laughs> if i win this round i get you oh no no little devil no <laughs> go get the ball peen hammer you know what it looks like i know what it looks like so i i don't know why but i think a prequel would just be fun oh, I, i'm in agreement with that so besides obviously dan Aykroyd. Uh, we've got Chevy Chase, who who claims that he did this movie as a favor to, to Dan Aykroyd because they were friends. He's not funny in it. I mean, here's the thing. He, but he, he's acts, not really supposed to be funny. He acts like he's phoning it in the entire time. And what's really funny, and 
not funny enough to the point where like it's funny to where it's true and it's funny to where it hurts that it's true where you get these stories of law like Dan Aykroyd was amazing. Dan Aykroyd was even like hard to take serious when he was in makeup trying to direct, but everyone still had fun. And then it's like, then we turn the page and oh, look, it's Chevy Chase. And everyone's like, fuck Chevy Chase. Because he, <laughs> he is, apparently was just like so difficult to work with. He was bitching and complaining that Dan Aykroyd was getting paid more. And I'm like, dude, well, he's, the guy he's is wearing writing, how many hats? like writing, directing, producing, and wearing and doing two characters. Yes. And I mean, you're going to complain that he's getting paid more. And like, it just, it was not a favorable situation. But then it's weird because that I was listening to his interview. And I mean, I'm sure it has to be fluffed and sprinkled with sugar for, you know, the Shout Factory uh, Blu-ray release of it. But he was like, he, he just gushed. He gushed over the entire thing. He's all like, I love working with Dan. And the movie was just so fun. And yeah. it was this and that. And, you know, my brain doesn't work like him and Chevy Candy. Chevy Chase, there are, there are, I, I feel the same way about Chevy Chase that I do about Tom Cruise. There are <laughs> movies that I like yeah. both of those actors in. And there are movies that I just, I don't care. Like the whole Fletch series. Fletch, I could really give once. a shit about. I've seen one. Well, there's and I'm like just three like, or four. No, I know. I've, I watched the first one and I was like, okay, I get it. I don't really need to see the other thing. The another one that I remember watching, but I don't remember liking a hundred percent was Funny Farm. I like Funny and, Farm, and I remember it being like, okay, it's funny, but like. I didn't get the impression of like, mm, this is something to remember. Now, when you get like Diaries of an Invisible or the Memoirs of an Invisible Man. That was all right. I thought, was I thought right. that was fun. I thought it was actually a fun one. But I mean, stuff that always has my heart is like Christmas Vacation every yeah. single year. And like you said, Spies Like Us. I do like, uh, like putting that so on every good. now and again. And it's just, I don't know. I think it's a little disheartening to where you learn about like how the these people. And I, and I think it's realistic, though. How these people that you kind of not necessarily want to put on a pedestal, but you admire. You admire for the work that they do. And then you hear about like how they are in real life. And, and Chevy Chase's pedestal is like covered in his own <laughs> shit uh, with everything from from community and, and how that went down. But uh, so he plays uh, Chris, Christopher Thorne. Chris uh, Thorne. Of financial Thorne's, Thorne's Weekly. Weekly uh, you know, Water Street, uh, New York, New York. And uh, Demi Moore is uh, playing our uh, his companion. The she's a she's a interest, lawyer. Uh, Diane. Yeah, she's a lawyer and she's wanting to get to Atlantic City to kind of basically this verbally deal. berate her ex-lover and business and like business associate or even I guess the person who's hiring her like yeah. her former yeah and so over some landfill yeah and she's straight coming off of ghost which she's got the like the young course. like the 90s hair going she and she's just very uh attractive yes uh, in this uh john candy doing double duty as we said <laughs> as uh, as dennis the uh the sheriff deputy or the the chief and uh, as his twin sister uh caldo or aldonia aldonia struck struck dumb by lightning clap <laughs> well, she's the best grade three mechanic in the tri-state <laughs> tri tri area you'll never have car trouble <laughs> and, and, but she's muted she only sub vocalizes mm -hmm. The scene where she's got Chevy Chase chained up in her room and she's behind like the the divider showing like the like terrible, awful uh, lingerie and like just you can tell John Candy is having just the best time. Well, and Chevy Chase, again, in this interview that he gave where he's all like, it was funny stuff, but I couldn't show it. 
He's like, I had to go into another room and laugh. But like, it's very and I love the juxtaposition between the sister and John Candy's cop character uh, because he has to almost like play straight laced. He has to play this kind of like serious by the book because he (laughs) honestly, he knows the ins and outs. He knows what's happening. So he doesn't want any more people like, can we just go one night without murdering someone, please? And it's such a different role from things that he's done before, like only the lonely or who is Harry Crumb or Which one of I love who's, who's Harry, Harry Crumb Crum. is great. And one of my favorites is Delirious. Uh, Delirious is good. Who's Harry Crumb? Also another drag. Yeah, uh, John Candy and drag, which man can pull it off. The man can pull it off. And, uh, and of course, armed Uncle, and dangerous armed with and dangerous uh, Eugene is Levy great. Uh, and Uncle Buck, of course. Oh, and man. I just yeah, I, I miss I, miss John Candy. I love that, really, man. really do. Um, but he, I think one of my favorite scenes with him is or favorite. He, it's not even a line. It's just when Chevy Chase is, is like, oh, there's nothing like a nice warm glass of Hawaiian punch <laughs> he just at, that whole, like, at the end of the day. And John Kane just has this look on his face and he sort of like, like sucks on a tooth like, yep. Yeah. Screw you, man. Uh, Be nice. <laughs> and then there's the uh, the cameo by the worst Baldwin brother of, <laughs> of the lot. I don't know if they paid Daniel Baldwin in cocaine. <laughs> To be on cocaine. Well, whose cocaine do you think it was that they had? He was like, you got your cocaine and your ice crack You got your knives and your spoons and your guns and your knives. Uh, I have to plead the fifth dimension. So after the, the courtroom scene where we are introduced to Judge Alvin Valkenheiser, which the makeup for Dan Aykroyd, the, like he's got a penis tip nose on. Every now and then they keep switching back and forth to see it. So apparently all, all of that makeup only took an hour. Well, which I find crazy because this because the special effects makeup artist that did the work for that is the same guy who did it for Freddy Krueger. So I mean, incredible. that's pretty great. You have the same dude who did up Robert England doing this guy. Uh, so after the initial courtroom scene, uh, you know the the other the foursome, which is uh, Bertilla Damas is Renata. Ronalda and her brother Taylor Negron yep. from uh, which uh, Bertilla she's still active and out there she was drew and i realized right before the podcast is a uh, star trek ds9 alumni yeah. played a romulan and a borg mm-hmm. so it can't have been a borg for Not ds9, for DS9. It must it have been. more than likely was probably a voyager episode yeah which uh, we are starting to get into borg territory on voyager yeah. uh taylor negron from a lot of things yeah uh but one of my favorites is is the old fast times at mm-hmm. Ridgemont High. So they are the Brazilianaire uh, <laughs> investors, or you know, they their uh, brother like sister his financial advisor is, is. But I always thought they were like a secret uh, couple or something. But uh, because the uh, way they act around each other, come on, baby. <laughs> oh, go. it smells like <laughs> Sao Paulo. <laughs> But apparently, like, the dinner scene, or frankly, like, the train, the the pickle hitting his face is like, you're all just sick degenerates. <laughs> like, this is enough. And it's so funny because if you show scenes back and forth between Nothing But Trouble and, like I said before, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, while they're all at the table, like, singing and laughing, you immediately cut to... You know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre where the girl's tied up and she's screaming and they're all singing and laughing at her. (laughs) And when they jump through the window to escape, the girl also, she leaps through the dining room window to escape the house. And I think the greatest thing, but also the most frustrating, and it's like a continuity to it, 
they literally escape <laughs> and there's no downfall to it. Well, they were really just a MacGuffin. I didn't know, true. To get but, them off the beaten path. But to also have John Candy go, well, you peeled the right banana there. <laughs> like, I, I do need a break. Let's go. And, I gotta, and that's it. Like, they're gone. He's gone. <laughs> uh, have you been drinking tonight, sir? I, I'm afraid I'll have to blow. Blow? Blow? You're you? getting out of the ticket? I'll blow. Not this century. Yeah. <laughs> What about it? Oh, no, please, please don't shoot me. Oh, it's okay, Kappa. I was just. <laughs> uh, so this introduces the uh, Mr. Bone Stripper. Yes. Uh, the preferred method of dealing with probably, I'd say, 95% of the people that happen to go through those court doors. They, <laughs> it, it is a roller coaster that with barbed wire keeping the yeah uh, keeping you keeping inside you from, arms from and legs getting inside out. at all times and then it ju- stops and dumps you into this maniacal carnival machine that just macerates all the flesh and spits, off of your body it's out clean bones mind you <laughs> off like to a target it's like it's almost like a like a slot machine or <laughs> something keeping track and points i almost wanted like a, t- a counter next to it i mean clearly you have a pile of bones and you're all like okay they've killed people but like if there was like a counter rolling off next to it i, th- I think it would just add it a little bit more but back to the dinner scene oh. which is also our introduction to aldonia oh Aldonia. Uh, she brings out this like like a like, pressure steamer like weird pressure steamer and folks if you are uh <laughs> listeners longtime <laughs> listeners of uh of ours i love cased meats mm. i could just do a podcast probably about various cased meats and times I'm sure you that could. i enjoyed these cases uh, call the tooch line three seven six six one three seven six zero zero three zero if you want to have a patreon special jack's cased meats we'll call it jack's sausage memories <gasps> Jet the best of Jack's worst. Yeah, right down that worst lane. Uh, so brings out probably the vilest looking. Uh, it's so uh, gray. You know, uh, uh, hot dogs, uh, frankfurters, you know, stadium brats before uh, you know they had night games, which again is just the- you know for a fact those hot dogs are the people they are put that they are putting through the bone stripper. Uh, well, it could be. I want to say be. I want to say because sorry, they're spitting out the bones. What are they doing with the flesh? Oh, that's right. They're grinding up for hot dogs. You, you and, could be on the it's not even it's not even hot dog buns. He's putting it in a white piece of bread. <laughs> like Wonder Bread. <laughs> like Wonder Bread. The condiment train. This is how I do mine. mine. I suggest you do the same. <laughs> and then the uh the the gut the nozzle <laughs> Into the can of fruit punch. The oil fill, like the oil nozzle. Which, again, is just, it adds that. It does. That unpleasant gut feeling to it. And then just, like, I wonder how many takes they did with Dan Aykroyd biting into the most disgusting bite in in movie history. (laughs) Uh, Good God. But if you look at, at what Dan Aykroyd is wearing, like, even his... His outfit his and dinner his costume outfit. is just like the house. Oh, like yeah. Look, it looks like he has like a Civil all, War all crossed right. pins. He's got these medals and like, like I don't know, like the like, like medallions almost. Uh, it's he dressed up for dinner. Yeah, it's it's and he has his own like floating in chair for not only going <laughs> for going to the judge's seat for going to dinner. 
And that's probably like one of the like the two places that he mainly goes to, except for up to his bedroom, where he takes off his leg and his nose. <laughs> that was great special <laughs> or practical. I effects. thought that was fantastic. And it might be one of my fa- like favorite moments of Chevy Chase in the movie with his reaction of like, I mean, obviously, because podcast is a visual medium. But guys, he makes this like so shocked face and he bites down like onto his mouth. He's like, oh, my God. Uh, Dan Aykroyd, uh, he gets, you know, after unscrewing his bed or unscrewing (laughs) his leg and taking off his nose, like he just gets into bed and turns out the lights. And of course, there's just a little (laughs) like because there's got to be. a little but, but he gets summoned downstairs and this for, is what he gets speeders. well this is what he gets summoned downstairs for uh, uh for the digital underground digital underground <laughs> featuring Tupac, a, a young Tupac's Tupac in the movie. his they, first movie appearance and and Humpty uh Humpty yep. Hump who we uh we we lost <laughs> I Hump think was very popular. last uh last year wasn't it, it? Was yeah. recently that sounds right uh because of course with Dan Aykroyd Blues Brothers there has got to be a musical number and a, and, a, and a time for him to you know a little bit rift and jive on his on his you know the aged organ, organ. <laughs> uh but he likes their they're good musicians good boys yeah, yeah. yeah uh he ends up letting them go as as long as they stay and play the wedding music for uh because his main Chris thing now is now like, don't yeah house policy what's house policy <laughs> well whatever man touches her she keeps <laughs> <laughs> I just had a speeding ticket. She'll know what to do with him. I, I watched this one time with Anna, and I shot her the eyes when he said that. She's like, you shut the fuck up, Jack Just. <laughs> Apparently, when John Candy first came on set with all of the outfit on, like all the cast and crew were like catcalling him, and John Candy had said, the things I do for a million dollars. And I'm wondering, like, did you? <laughs> I think he probably he, pro- he got he might paid. Have. This is like an Adam Sandler movie for him. He's like, let's have fun. I, well, I mean, him and John, him and Dan Aykroyd have like the same kind of humor. But also at the time, like you have some of the best actors and comedians to come off of Saturday Night Live to come out of Second City. Mm-hmm. All right, I mean, this in all common sense, this should have been a fucking slam dunk. Yes, yes. And it even has like the cherry on the top. Brian Doyle Murray uh, is there and at the end because he's I am I am convinced that any movie that has a cameo by Brian Doyle Murray, Bill Murray's older brother, is a great fucking movie. There you go. Uh, And so this movie is like you have to give it a chance. You have to 100%. see it through. It gets crazy, it gets weird, it gets wacky, it gets disturbed. But when you take the time to just look at the amount of effort that was put into designing the sets and, you know, populating the 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 grounds of the Valkenheiser scrapyard, mm. like there's no CGI in this movie. Like Drew said, they bought all the goddamn Every, toasters in LA bought, County. Donated and, and arranged like, the lawn jockeys, the garden just, gnomes, the scrapyard. It's mind boggling. Honestly. Uh, just and the I mean, clutter that's in the the house. I mean just that that's just I mean look just look just looking at the outside of the house and the junkyard, that is an insane amount. And then you have to probably look at even a more painstaking detail of the inside of the house. And it's almost like rooms are themed based on their junk. And the amount of effort not only for Dan Aykroyd's makeup, but also for like the mutant diaper babies. 
Oh, I watching Bobo it again, and Little Devil, and Little Devil. But watching them again when they're like walking around and they're like jumping up and down, like to watch the belly go. They're boing, they're sprung. They are. It's springy. It's springy. <laughs> Trespasser, get her! <laughs> oh, 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 it's okay. Aldonia's got her. Wait, that's not good. No, that's not good at all. But <laughs> he treats us like dogs, not his grandsons. <laughs> It's he won't just... let us inside because we got fat from eating too much cereal. <laughs> uh, but like the the scene where they, uh, you know, Demi Moore and uh, well, Chris and Diane are put into the one fucked up bedroom, and <laughs> and like you know, Chevy Chase tries to cuddle up to Demi Moore, and then it pans up to like some <laughs> some past matron of the Valkenheiser family, which looks a lot like a painting of a a John Candy as oh, an no, no, old, it, old woman. It, it definitely 100%, is. 100% is. But then, of course, you see the, the eyes disappear. And, and it looks even more like John Candy. So <laughs> Because John Candy is now looking through the portrait. So this has to be either Shire Reeves' wife, who passed away, who apparently didn't duck, all right? Or this is his daughter. I, I, it has to be for, like, the looks and the, and, you know, the uh, uh, the genes to be passed I'm, on. I'm sure the Valkenheiser family tree is, is, is full of <laughs> twists and turns and double backs. But then he, she hit, Aldonia hits the switch and spins whoa, whoa, them around whoa, whoa, whoa. in the bed. So, like, there's these great weird moments of slapstick Again, it's humor. it's uh, then they they escape that room, and then there's the the moving hallway that uh, is going to crush them or trap them. And they find the blind staircase up into the attic, where that there's sort of the the reveal that uh, the, you know the, the all house. the IDs with accompanying uh, yeah. newspaper clippings, and they're bankers and lawyers and Capone, Jimmy Hoffa, Jimmy Hoffa. There. A busload of Hari Krishnas is still missing. <laughs> I mean, the the funhouse aspect almost gives it. Like a Goonies vibe in a way. When they get Which through just, the trap door. It's fun. It just makes it fun. It doesn't And then the safe comes sense. like as the safe is triggered. It comes rolling down <laughs> on top of the trap door so they can't get through. Like they're purposely. They're, they're made to go in there. Then they're made a, to be scared. There's a slide. And because the, John, the Candy, slide John Candy lets him out and says, all right, slick, there you go. But if you look at the slide, obviously no one's been up there in a while. Because the, the slide is super dusty. But it's kind of weird that the slide like. One go, one leads outside, and one leads one to leads obviously to the judge's court. Well, I mean, not the judge. It's like behind the judge's room, and there's a bunch of bones. So whoever's supposed to go down there, obviously, is supposed to be dead. And that just obviously is a way to get but rid of the bodies or something. There's a hole in the wall, like the judge is it's sleeping so in a room that has a hole in the wall that just bones and femurs are spilling <laughs> out of. Uh, but the fight scene. When the judge comes back up between Chevy Chase, the I thought I got rid of my rodent problem. Left. <laughs> I, left, I that. left that leg in France. <laughs> but the, just the banter and the back and forth. Get your foot out of my bedpan. <laughs> and now I'm going to stick you. <laughs> and like Chevy Chase is like looking around for a weapon. He grabs a taxidermied skunk and throws it at the judge. And the judge goes, my skunk. <laughs> it's like it's just so weird it's and fucked up it's weird and it's an oddity and it, that's i think that's what makes it so appealing to where like it's it's only gained a fan base later on with dvd rentals and i think that's one of the things that you gotta like love about movies that just took a shit and then people like later on they gave it a try and they honestly like steered away from like you know reviews where 
Roger Ebert hated it so much <laughs> that he's like, as a quote, he just said, like, I don't even want to write a review for this. There was another review that said Chevy Chase looked mildly embarrassed delivering most of his lines, which, truth be told, <laughs> probably sure he kind of does. Uh, probably didn't help Demi Moore's career out too well, but she ended up just fine. She was fine. But this really, I think, was the nail in the coffin for Dan Aykroyd's aspirations. Well, he, nev- he never as- directed again! And I, I think the next time I saw Dan Aykroyd in anything was, gross point blank, almost a decade later. Like, that was like late was 90s. It? Wow. Mm-hmm. So, man, um, wow. Uh, but would you would you say this has like a uh, like a cult classic status? I would think so. I would think that people and I think that's kind of like the given for the people where at the time it was panned. It was not liked and it, it, it was not released at a time in which was favorable to it. And again, only time gave it that love plus there's no like and i think there's that, I no think way that's people like could a, even that's a that's figure a out what the movie was about like right. oh we're, hey you want to go see that new dan Aykroyd movie about i don't even Whatever know it's what about. the fuck it's about i mean it's that's like a that's like a pinnacle of like cult classic following like you got to give it time for people to digest and like look at it again and go like eh, i don't know let me come back to that later on and i mean for as much work as went into it again delayed release dates a, a title that kept getting changed from Git to <laughs> Valkenvania to Road to Ruin to finally Nothing But Trouble. Because the story was inspired from when Dan Aykroyd got pulled over for a speeding ticket. At like 1.30 in the morning in, in upstate like, New York. Yeah, rural upstate New York. And this is what spun out of his mind. But folks, if you have friends that you like to do movies nights with or a spouse or a friend that you like to watch movies with and and there's times where i think all of us we scroll through the streaming services and are like nothing really looks good or <laughs> everything is the same like i don't want another superhero movie i don't want another tom cruise saving the world if you want something weird and yeah. different Give, give nothing it a try. But try. It, you can find it streaming. You can also find it on DVD. But folks, give it a try and just get call the tooch line at some time. Let mm-hmm. us know if you if we are crazy I, or I'm crazy because I love this movie. As soon as I pulled this uh, genre out of the Bilbo grab baggins, uh, I knew immediately. Oh, of course, that this was going to be, and I knew also knew immediately that Nathan hadn't seen it, and I really wanted him to see it. And Nathan, you. You cut me to the bone. <laughs> my cup pad. I, my powder is soaking wet over this nation. Definitely, definitely give us a call. Let us know what you think of Nothing But Trouble. Also, I want to know exactly how you all eat your hot dogs and how you dress them up and whether or not you're putting it in a normal bun, a pretzel bun, or some some white Wonder Bread. <laughs> <laughs> oh, or, uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. So sh- we should touch on the ending. I think so. Uh, you know, uh, Chris and Diane do escape. They manage to make it to a passing train after, after she's almost trisected. After she's almost chopped up by a watermelon slicer manned by Eldona. And uh, Chris Thorne only gets them to safety after he lights a gasoline barrel and then rolls it down the hill into another pile of gasoline barrels. And it just erupts. And mm-hmm. now we we've had enough danger on the property line as it is because there's a coal fire burning since 26 and this 
is inspired by you do the know what those stock certificates are worth now <laughs> just about your best outhouse wallpaper so this is so it's actually based off of the actual town that has the centralia col- yes centralia pennsylvania which, which folks if you've if you've driven yeah. through rural Pennsylvania or really any rural areas in the Midwest, like it definitely has those those vibes. So that same town is also the same inspiration for Silent Hill, the video game, mm-hmm. as well or, and as well as the movie. All right. So I mean, it's it's kind of interesting how he's piecing together. So it's it's Centralia, Pennsylvania. It's the story of getting pulled over at one thirty in the morning and taken to a judge's house at an eighty year old judge's house at one thirty in the morning getting a ticket and then being offered tea by the judge to stay longer. And then a weird set of dreams, which is where the mutant diaper babies came because from. Of course, all of this is in a giant stew pot and it's been cooking for far too long. <laughs> so some people may think that but that ending, that the, 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 the plot and the whole movie from Dan Aykroyd is just awful. But I sort of think this is this was Dan Aykroyd's like mad genius scientist Willy Wonka moment. And I think that's I think that's a perfect way to say it, because here's the thing. Dan Aykroyd is a beautiful idea man. And I don't know if it comes to fruition or to a beautiful like stick in the landing when he's writing it. Now, I wonder if he, the idea of it is great. I wonder if but. he pitched pitched the movie to the folks using the same mannerisms and voice as the uh like the the shady <laughs> toy maker from uh from old old Saturday Night Live where it's like, "Well, let's talk about your next product, bag of glass. It's just a bag of broken glass. Well, you know, it's shiny, you know, kids really like it and uh, uh or what about chainsaws for kids? It's an actual working chainsaw." <laughs> Uh, so, like, he sold this idea, but I, I think it, it deserves a chance. So, anyway, they uh, Chris and Diane, they escape. They they escape, yes. <laughs> and and they are in a hotel room somewhere. Chris says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna oh, take wait. a nap." You've, but this is, but this is, you've way, got the dream within the dream, not the dream within the dream. It's the okay, we we've escaped. We go back to the cops. We're bringing the cops back to the judge. Lo and behold, you find out the entire town. Is hey, the Uncle! Hey, Hi, Grandpa! Judge. Oh, you guys better watch out behind you. There's a beach nest. You can't go too far around these parts. I run a few of my friends. So you realize that hundreds of cops and and people in the town, they're all behind the judge. They're like, well, we don't really approve of his ways, but he helps the town to go. And that's when the coal fires immediately start erupting and everything goes to hell. And now we're at the hotel. <laughs> But but don't worry, uh, <laughs> we'll be moving in with my son-in-law, my grandson, my grandson on the banker. So see you soon, banker. And apparently, Chevy Chase <laughs> turns into a Looney Tunes, and he goes right through the wall. It's weird because there's no, there's no like real ending. And like how is that an ending? When you see his silhouette in the wall, you're like, well, of course, this is how this movie ends. And then and then all you just hear him is like all the like further down the hall. No, you're not. <laughs> So, uh, should we do the old, uh... Let's do the old segmentos. 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 Nathan, I hate you. You're not here. <clears throat> First segment is Valkenvania. It is scary how fast a wrong turn can take you to a place that gives you the heebie-jeebies. I'm sure we've all encountered our own version of a rural or perhaps urban Valkenvania. Tell me about yours. Drew, go ahead. Two immediately come to mind. So one <clears throat> is uh, is probably going to only be understandable to people who live 
here within Kern County, uh, California. Now, we have a place that's about a half hour away called Taft, California. Oh, <laughs> I, uh, I live just near Taft Highway, which takes you to this wonderful place. Taft itself has has some good things about it. However, Taft is an oil town and and the money uh, immediately goes to the oil and to the industry. Now, that kind of leaves uh, everyone else kind of begging for scraps. And that's unfortunately for parts of Taft, like it's. It's 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 scraps. And uh, when when I used to go to college out of Taft, I I don't know why I decided to just like drive around because I used to have a cousin who lived out in Taft and I thought I knew where the house was. And I'm like, I'm going to see if I can drive around. A cousin who lives in Taft <laughs> sounds like somebody that you would call cuz like C-U-Z. Hey, cuz. What's up, cuz? Uh, and so I went trying to find and uh, lo and behold, like I, 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 I definitely got lost. I went down some like neighborhood streets and um didn't know and i kept i kept getting like the bug eye from the locals like sitting out on their porch and uh not all of them like fully clothed but definitely either smoking drinking possibly doing some crack i have no idea but it was uh it was uncomfortable luckily it was still during the day but (laughs) it was it was definitely like holy crap how do i get out of here did i make a left did i make a right how do i get home let's not turn down that road (laughs) let's not go down that way uh the other one was I knew that I, if I stayed on the road, it would it would be safe. But it was the first time that driving to the beach, I and I think we were driving to like San Luis. But there is a scenic route that you can take. Now, it will it'll take like an extra like thirty minutes. But I was like, you know what? This is gonna be nice. This is gonna be pretty great. Well, little did I know that taking the scenic route, you lose all cell reception and you also have no cell res- no any kind of like satellite reception in your car either so w- like all i had to do was stay on the road but it never seemed to end and all you pass around there is like now, just that's pay- on the way to santa maria which most people take that route to get to pismo but i think this is a different one this okay. is even this is this oh is, this is a, this is not tapped any longer sorry um so this is i this is even beyond the point of where uh james dean crashed his car oh like up towards paso Robles. right okay. so i mean or i forget exactly where we're going but man you go back that way and the only people that you have are literally like backcountry folk or people who have random little farms in the back, but like they're nestled in like a corner. Uh, there are rednecks everywhere, and folks. No, they're not they're just all. in Appalachia in the South. There are rednecks and everywhere. And it was just, it was weird because like you'd be driving along, but apparently if you're going too fast, like someone would come out and like raise and shake something at you, which they did. And I'm like, this is a paved road. Like, don't get mad at me. You want to a- die out here, like James Dean? <laughs> you want to die out here, Bob? Uh, but yeah, no, it was a uh, uncomfortable uh, drive through the 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 supposed beautiful scenic route which was also quite windy uh so it, just it, made, it, it made it worse it is it made it worse and uh yeah i i still say uh taft takes the cake but uh that scenic route it was just it was uncomfortable you're all like we could we could die here and no one would know <laughs> uh, so for me uh once you know a year uh you know there was a hiatus during the the pandemic but uh, we did get to pick it up this past fall but once a year in the fall i always fly back to ohio and i've got the same group of friends that i've known since middle school and high school they're my groomsmen in my wedding and we go camping for usually a weekend or, th- or three nights and my buddy rob had this old camper uh that that we would leave it up to Rob, like, you find the place that we're going to go, 
and we will we will go there and we'll we'll camp out in the camper. Uh, we don't do the camper as much anymore. We we did a, a nice cabin uh, this this past time in Chillicothe, Ohio. But um, this one particular occasion was probably around 2016, 2017. And we went to a campground that was near a lake in southeastern Ohio. And I did not know the history of this area until we got there. Because when you get to sort of the the, the nature preserve areas, there are these giant stone furnaces. Oh. Because this area <laughs> of Ohio is known as the uh, Hanging Rock Iron Region. Okay. And these giant furnaces were used, charcoal furnaces were used to smelt pig iron. And Ohio, that region of Ohio, was the largest iron producing uh, region in the country during the Civil War. And so there was great prosperity. In fact, the the hulls of the, uh, the Merrimack and the Monitor were both made from iron that came from Ohio. Mm. So, of course... That died out, you know, turn the century 1920s, and there was these great towns that had sprung up in that region that grew from the prosperity while the iron was still there. But when the iron ran out, you drive through these towns. One of them is called MacArthur, Ohio, and we nicknamed it Meth Arthur uh, (laughs) because you drive through it and it's still sort of a sprawling town, but... It has not been maintained or cared for and is mostly vacant for like the past hundred years. And I think just to interrupt you, I think that's kind of like how my mention of Taft, like Taft used to be a booming city. So if, if anyone is familiar with the movie with Kurt Russell and Robin Williams, The Best of Times, mm-hmm. that is Taft, California. That is the town where like, I mean, everyone was together and they had camaraderie, and it was a booming city because of the oil industry. Yeah. So when you get off the, uh, the the interstate and you start taking these country roads through these small towns, and you're like, ooh, like you just get really bad vibes. Like there was a, a hotel that we passed. It looked like back in the day it was this big grand hotel with a saloon and maybe a player piano, but now it just looked like a place where where you could probably crash for for a monthly fee and just just kill yourself with drugs and alcohol oh that sounds fun uh so it, it was just you know it, that's a little part of of rural ohio that i never knew <laughs> and frankly kind of makes me a little sad and it also reminds me of valconvania mm. so uh our next uh segmenti, mr bone stripper Congratulations, you are now the newly installed Shire Reeve of Valkenvania. The previous read headed out for bankers and drug users. What's one of your pet peeves that would nab a suspect a quick ride on Mr. Bone Stripper? Bonus question, do you modify the punishment in any way? Does this call for a renaming of the execution machine? Well, I would say that I think anyone who is going to be like, spewing hate upon the rights of others to infringe them. And I'm going to go with like, and sorry if it hurts anyone's feelings, but when you have ultra, ultra like right-wing conservative Republicans that are going to be just being hateful and angry 
and it's not helping like a civil discourse. And I understand that there can be both sides and, and hateful people on both sides. But when you have people such as like, I don't know, and this is this is the ultimate extreme. It is the ultimate extreme. The Westboro Baptist Church individuals, they would they would go in immediately. You, you know, the Westboro Baptist Church fucked up when the Hell's Angels are against them. Right. Good God. Like, I mean, so people like that. Sorry, no place for you on this planet. No place, no place for you to try and as, as I preach to say, like, let's be wholesome and kindly to others. I, I will throw them into the bones. <laughs> and I hate to say the word Karen's. But um, I think I think a few can definitely go inside uh, as, a, as a bonus part. Um, if the bone splitter or the bone stri- stripper is going to be used for uh, food purposes uh, instead of the hot dogs, it will strip the food, but also it will shove down the seasoned and cooked meat and make either pies or empanadas. Ooh, mm. the best pies in Bakersfield, <laughs> the best pies in Bakersfield. Now, if it's not for food. I want the bones to be kept together, not not like thrown into a giant pile, because I feel like the judge to entertain himself and possibly the people of Alkenvania on a cold night where everything lights up on a hill and he's going to put on like a giant marionette puppet show. Oh, dear God. (laughs) With all the skeletons dressed up because, you know, he has the outfits, you know, he can make it work. Ugh. Or he's going to do like lawn like decorations, like different scenes from movies, <laughs> <laughs> like a taxidermist. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So, um, you know, I do get outrage, the usual outrage, like you said, but I also get petty outrage. Mm. And we've talked about this in the, the podcast before. Uh, people who camp out in the left lane. Uh, you know, I think they, they were the target of my ire for, for Mm, one, uh, one segment gone by. Uh, also people, uh, another segment that comes to mind is people who place their groceries on the checkout belt. And when they're done, they do not put the divider down. (laughs) That pisses me off. Like, don't make me reach over your shit to, to get the divider, like the social contract. So in this particular instance, it's people who play music on their phone that you can hear or with like a Bluetooth speaker in public or if you're like on a hiking trail and like Nathan's like, yeah, we, I was playing, I was playing music while we were, we were hiking up this trail in California and I was like, like grinning, like I would have murdered you, Nathan. <laughs> but I, I didn't say that because Nathan was sitting across the room, but he's not now, you son of a bitch. But anyway, so it's people that, that, that do that. I don't want to participate in your music, and 90% of the time, your music's awful. I'll tell you right now, every single day, when I look at my kids in my classroom, I'll suddenly, like, stop what I'm doing, and I'll look over at a kid, and eventually, like, someone will get their attention, or they'll get my attention, and they'll look up, and they're like, what? And I'm like, I can hear it from my desk, which means... It's too loud in your own ears. And I I think maybe it's like an auditory sensitivity, like, my phone... Unless I am on call or like there's an emergency, 99% of the time it's on silent. My phone's always on silent. Uh, and I almost never play videos on my phone unless I have headphones in. And my wife will be sitting across the, the, the living room on a couch and all of a sudden like just starts blaring this video. And like uh, it, it always gives me like a start. I was like, ah, Jesus Christ, babe. My mother is the same way. Yeah, and, and so that <laughs> that you know that pisses me off. So this would uh, we would rebrand the ride as Megadeth. 
and instead of getting dumped into the like the macerating machine, mm. they would sort of go through almost like a lover's tunnel, like uh, like the old like the swan ships at the uh, amusement park. And inside of this tunnel uh, are super souped up speakers and amplifiers uh, that will first first deafen the uh, individual uh, and then with increasing decibels until their eyes and ears are bleeding will just eventually just kill them and then they don't you know there's no bone stripping going okay. on they just get dumped into a swamp where they belong oh in the, the in the uh in the gull yeah yeah, yeah. It, it smells like in the, tr- in the, in the trench <laughs> yeah that is uh what i would be doing okay the next one is this is how i take mine i suggest you do the same uh, the supper scene is the paramount section of the movie that really defines the disturbing setting. The Reeve descending from the ceiling to his own fanfare of the warm cans of freshly nozzled Hawaiian punch, the hot dogs, and the condiment train. Have you ever been to a sleepover or maybe stayed the night with a distant relative and things just didn't sit right? Could be the setting, the food, the company, or a combination of all three. So, a Thanksgiving passed, and... My my lovely brother and uh, sister in law will hear this, so they'll 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 understand what it is. So at the time of a Thanksgiving where my family had gone to the beach, I had been sick for like two days, but I got over it and I was fine. I was perfectly healthy, not sick, no lingering effects. Drove over to the beach, met up with them, and it was from that point that. I was treated like I had the plague. I was like a social pariah in my in my family's vacation Thanksgiving home. I was not allowed to touch my niece. I was not allowed to be anywhere near my sister-in-law. I couldn't hug anybody. I had to stay clear of everybody. I had, I had to like sit <laughs> I had to like sit in the back of like the living room when everyone's hanging out. I went to go make myself like a plate of food. And my brother saw that I was doing this. He immediately came over, took the food out of my hands and the plate. And he's all like, oh, it's okay. I'll make the plate for you. Because he didn't want me touching anything. I went into the bathroom to use it. And I came back out. And he's like, did you disinfect that? And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And so, I mean, it. <laughs> here's the thing. I understand his concern, especially at the time when my sister-in-law was pregnant as well. But, like, I understand his concern. I very much understand his concern. But it's the way that he went about it. It made it so uncomfortable. And it made it so such just a a shitty, shitty experience. And probably hands down the worst Thanksgiving that I've had. And yeah, like he was I don't think I don't think he realized what he was doing and being like, quite honestly, and Ryan, you were you were a dick about it. I love you, but you were a dick about it. And I but I understand his his overwhelming paranoia and concern for his family. I don't fault that in any way, shape or form. But I, it's the way that he went about it. That does sound awful. And I, th- I also think it's fitting that both of ours are set to Thanksgiving. <laughs> so this was the uh, the first Thanksgiving that I was in California hmm. after driving cross country from Ohio in good old 2008. And I had arrived on Halloween, October 31st. And I was going to fly back to Ohio for Christmas. But, you know, as, you know, a 25-year-old kid with really not much 
uh, in the way of of savings. It was just untenable to fly back for New Year or for Christmas and for Thanksgiving. Sure. So I went over to my cousin's house, and you know, on the surface, everything looks normal, looks good. You know, the, they did the stuffing in the bird, which is my my preferred method. Like I could probably just eat stuffing that has been baked in a turkey, sure. uh, just alone with a bowl. Uh, and I was like, oh, they did the stuffing on the turkey. Oh, just like mom does. Okay, well, yes. that's good. And they had all the usual accoutrements. Mm-hmm. Um, so I serve, get get served. And um, there's olives, black sliced olives. Oh, you love them so in much. In the stuffing. Now, I've heard of oyster. Oysters and stuffing. Right. I've heard of people putting sausage sure. in stuffing, but I have never in my life I will heard con- of I will somebody. Agree. I've never heard of that putting sliced black olives into Thanksgiving stuffing. Aren't you happy it was not like green brined olives though? Uh, well, at least they stood out. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, in and folks, I I hate black olives, and I like all I like food. But black olives or any olives, any like, olives. it we've, just we've discussed that. <laughs> it just it feels like like the sea didn't tap me on the head and it just splooges in my mouth. Like it's just the salty brininess. Like and then I've I've been like my buddy John's a chef. He's like, oh, these are Spanish olives. I'm like, I don't yourself. give a shit. Like I'm not eating the olive. So or these I ate in, the olive. They're imported. I don't or, care, man. Or, or I ate the olive and then spit, spit it, it out, out the later. bathroom. <laughs> I cheeked it like a chipmunk. <laughs> so the, they they notice now that there is now a a pile <laughs> of green all or black olives on the corner of my plate, and they're, they're making making remarks about it, and and I'm I'm taking it in good stride, but my brother was like, "Who the fuck's puts olives <laughs> stuff in anyway? What the fuck is this?" And so now dessert. All right, good. You know, yeah, I like dessert. Pumpkin pie usually mm-hmm. comes to mind for Thanksgiving. Uh, apple pie, and, you sure. know, other things. Carrot cake, <laughs> homemade. You know, it's homemade carrot cake. But again, you know, as far as dessert desserts go, like it's just I'm a different, more, it's a different choice. Yeah, I'm more of like an ice cream or pie or cookie guy. Like it has to be like a pretty good cake to get me excited. Like red velvet cake. Don't enjoy. Mm. Uh, and carrot cake, I don't enjoy. So now I'm like, I pass on the carrot cake. And now I've got the reputation with these folks <laughs> of, as a picky eater. <laughs> which I, folks, last night I took the uh, the leftover beef and broccoli that uh, we had for Chinese takeout on Sunday. And mixed it with the pesto pasta that my wife had made for dinner the other night and when i sat down some of the broccoli fell on the carpet and i just picked it up and ate it so i know i am not a picky eater i i in fact am like the frankenstein of fucking like like crazy crazy shit so that was my my fucked up bit uh the only other thing i would say is there was one sleepover when we were living in illinois where it's like some families do dinner differently sure and my family is not religious at all so we had to do the whole holding hands and prayer thing which is you know it's fine but i don't drink milk like Mm. i'll drink chocolate milk Mm. uh i cook with milk i'll put milk in a cereal i'll dip oreos okay into a glass of milk but But just not a. I just don't like just 
the taste of just straight up milk, not a huge fan of. Okay. And water was not an option. Like they served me a glass of milk and and, water not- and I was like, I don't drink milk. And they're like, well, everyone drinks milk with dinner. What the hell? And so I had to choke down this, oh, this no. glass of milk because it was clean plate club. Oh, and no. there could be no food or no uh, milk left in the glasses. So that was, that was uh-uh. the occasion. So, wow. All right. Final, final. Did you do the, I didn't do the alternate one. Cause you said it was going to be a bonus. Okay. Question. That's fine. Then okay. we'll, we'll, we'll skip it. So Drew, uh, what would you rate? This movie. I would give Nothing But Trouble a a baseline of minimum two stars because just for Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase, and John Candy. Now, the fact that it is a horror comedy bumps it up just another half star because, you know what, you're you're getting two of my wheelhouses and I'm going to love it. Now, the thing that bumps it up even another point to three and a half stars out of five for me or three and a half. Three and a half of those is just for the pure weirdness <laughs> and the oddity that is this film. It is an anomaly. And by gum, I'm I'm happy for it. Mm-hmm. So three and a half out of five. Uh, you know, it's it's just a provincial cop case. <laughs> you can outrun him. Come on, let's see if you, you could do a hundred. You can beat this oh, guy. Hundred? You kidding me? This thing will do one thirty. Oh, so smooth. I would give this uh, movie uh, probably a hundred out of a hundred and thirty oh. miles per hour. Wow. Uh, just because. I, it just, it stuck with me and it's just such a weird oddity. There's nothing else like this movie. <laughs> there will probably never be. I agree. Unless there's, there's Drew's hope, the, hope for a sequel. What? How great would that be though? To get some, to get some kind of background information, how everything came to be. Like what if even in the prequel, like only half the junkyard is there and the moat is just now being built. Mm-hmm. I, it's just, I think there's so much potential. It could revolve around, uh, you know, the uh, the banker, filthy banker that come and uh, came and, you know, bought him. Well, but he was also off at war at that time, so. Yeah, but they all I look. I mean, maybe. There's, you know, maybe. It, could still, it could still be Dan Aykroyd for crying out loud. He's still <laughs> Dan with Dan Aykroyd us. playing like five different people. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. Maybe not. It, it'd still be good. It would probably be better than the new Ghostbusters, but. Uh, I haven't seen it, so I probably shouldn't stomp on it, but I'm going to stomp on it anyway. So the Patreon <gasps> special, for, Patreon uh, special for this this film is uh, for the low, low cost of $100,000. Mm. Uh, the Real Feels crew will craft and manufacture your own dinner table featuring a pop-up condiment train. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So, uh, folks, uh, you know, do not pass go. No. Do not collect your $200. Send it on down to the real fields. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, share a, you know, we'll all sit around and have some Frankfurters, some stadium dogs, you know, before they, before they <laughs> brought the night games in. And uh, share a nice warm glass of, uh, of fresh, freshly nozzled Hawaiian punch and some uh, some ants on a log. Oh, yeah, ants. Yeah, ants of course. Ants on a log. Little, uh, little gherkins. Little gherkins. Yep. So, folks, uh, Drew, where can folks uh, 
interact with us. Oh, so. gosh. Well, folks, you can always look up for The Real Feels Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for The Real Feels Podcast. We are on Twitter at Real Feels Pod. That is R E E L. You can send us an email at realfeelspodcast at gmail.com. And of course, guys, you can call the Tooch line. That is 661-376-0030. We would love to hear from you. Every time the Tooch line rings, Jack's nipples get hard. <laughs> I was hoping for a rhyme, but it's, it's, it's not even a rhyme, guys. It's, it's just the truth. It's nothing. It's the nothing but trouble rhyme. It's just, it, it doesn't rhyme. It just is disturbing. Uh, guys, you with can, eye contact. Like, <laughs> with so just just imagine me contact. looking at through space and time at you, hard nipples, just just cresting and going, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, and guys, if you don't want to call the Tooch line, you can always hit us up on Apple Podcasts. You can leave another five-star review. Mm. Landing gear. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Nathan. Yeah, good job. Good job. Uh, so, folks, Nathan is uh, not going to be joining us for the, the next few episodes. Uh, mm. He is going to be uh, relocating He's to, uh, to another state. Don't worry. Uh, he will return. And he if he doesn't, return. Drew and I will take a road trip to Arizona and murder him. Oh, there you go. Yep. Landing gear. And uh, so it, we may have a guest host. A very special guest uh, host. We will not be doing Grab Baggins episodes at this point. We will probably be doing our Patreon episodes. So for all the people who have joined us up on Patreon.com and have hit that $10 tier where you get to give us a movie to review, those people are going to get their movies up on the Real Feels podcast a wee bit early, but that's just the Patreon special for you. So, so special. So special. Oh, so special. So guys, if you want to uh, you know, become some of the realest fans out there, you can also hit us up on Patreon.com. The link is in the show notes. You can support us at you know the lowest tier, or you can go to the highest tier. But more importantly, you get to be part of the Real Feels family. You get some f- awesome Real Feels swag, early access to episodes, who does not want some of that? Yeah, early access steps is it's just like pulling the panties to the side. <laughs> just, just do it. I get it now. I'm not going to wait for you to take it off. I take it now. Well, that's not a sales pitch for, for anything. <laughs> it that is, is for me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. So the next uh, episode's coming up, guys, is going to be some Patreon specials. But uh, you know what? Until then, and we are going to be getting those out to you, you can go back into our back catalog. Be sure to look up our Last Action Hero uh, episode, which uh, I I chose for our alternate dimension in reality. And also, there was the interview that I did with Mr. David Weiner and uh, Stephen Izzy from Everything I Learned from Movies podcast, where we discussed with David his new and upcoming documentary, In Search of Tomorrow, which is all about... 80s sci-fi. Guys, this documentary is amazing. Now, when I say that it's five hours of 80s sci-fi goodness, I'm not I, I'm not joking with you. It is five hours of 80s sci-fi goodness. Do not pass up on a chance to get In Search of Tomorrow when it is available for you. Ooh. Go to uh, 80sscifidoc.com and you can check it all out there. Well, from uh, Drew and Frodo and I, uh, this has been the uh, the realist and the feelist. And now, I'm gonna stick you, and oh, well, we'll let you go. And when you do, the cat's eyes will spin. <laughs> oh, so weird.
you won't really fall in love for you can't take the chance so be honest with yourself 